Hey, welcome to The Shift Spot. Today's leadership and management topic is leadership gap analysis, identifying leadership limitations. I'm Jesse Fry. I'm a certified business coach and executive coach, and I have Ken Paskins here with me today. And Ken and I are going to be discussing how you create alignment with current leadership skills within your team and how do you raise those people up in your organization. So essentially what we're going to get to is how do you build leaders in your organization, but there is a profound thing that we we're going to talk about, which is the leadership gap. So what we're going to be covering is what is a leadership gap, the lack of mastery of leadership competencies, the lack of focus of necessary skills to become a great leader, and the outdated ideas about leadership. So Ken, it's great to be back. I think this is week three this month. So I look forward to jumping into this topic with you. Awesome. Looking forward to it. So what I want to first start out to is what a leadership gap is. And a lot of people might not be familiar with this, but as I've spent some time really trying to understand where the biggest challenges in small, medium, and large organizations, something that we're starting to see is this gap uh, within organizations of having uh, basically a set of people that are prepared to become leaders in an organization. So studies show that current leaders aren't adequately prepared for future leadership roles. And they're finding this across countries, organizations, and across different levels in those organizations. So Ken, let's talk a little bit for a minute about the organizations you worked in do you see that there's been a gap in new leaders coming through organizations? I mean, always. <laughs> I mean, yeah, always. So I think it's actually one of the um, biggest concerns and issues I come into, um, specifically with SME businesses, right, 20 million and below. I think a lot of CEOs and owners grow, grow people within the organization but they don't see those gaps as they're growing. And as an outsider coming in, and I'm sure you see this as well, uh, they've kept this person, Jeff, with them for three or four years, and they move them into a leadership role, and they don't have the first idea of what leadership is. And sometimes painfully, the CEO doesn't as well, because a lot of them are actually growing with their own company as well. So yeah, I see it. I see it fairly regularly. I think if I recall correctly, when we worked for a previous organization, um, there was a person that was within the organization that was raised into the chief operations officer role. Yeah. And that person was not adequately prepared right. to sit in that seat. Is that a common theme that you see is like people kind of grow? You kind of briefly mentioned it. People grow through organizations and we I think what I see is you have uh, CEOs of businesses that grew from one person, an idea, all the way up to 20, 30, 40, 50 employees. And there's some loyalty to the people that kind of grew with you. But because the organization was always growing at, an, at a fast pace, uh, there really wasn't a lot of development happening. Um, is that something you see a lot? Like what what do you feel is the cause of that? Is it because they're they're moving too quickly and no, there's not enough time? What what do you see as the biggest challenge there? I mean, I see it in spades, and there's a whole market out there that I won't get into, but it, it's called EOS and it has this thing called an integrator, basically is a COO. And uh, we did a survey in that space one time, and 
75% of the companies that implement that operating system, um, you know, they, they promote from within to start. After the first year in, in that survey, we found out 50% of those COOs didn't make it because they didn't have the, uh, the, the correct skill sets in, in everything. So they, they, you know, they, they washed out or failed, if you will. Um, so yes, I, I see it regularly, correct. Okay, yeah, I, I think that it's definitely a challenge that a lot of CEOs run up against. And, um, and, and there's, I think, a lot of different reasons behind it. One of the things that I see a lot of times, depending several industries that I work in, is people promote family members, yeah. right? Like they'll yeah. bring a family member in and they're like, oh, my brother is the chief financial officer. And that doesn't always work either. So uh, what are the causes of leadership gaps? So a leadership gap is typically caused by one of really two things. The first is a lack of mastery of required competency. The second is lack of focus on necessary skills, right? So the first is a matter of degree. What degree is that mastery or competency? And the second is a matter of substance. So we, we basically lack substance in a specific skill uh, or area. Uh, what I see a lot of times, especially with managers, is we have these people that are skilled professionals in their particular area. And we think, well, oh, you know, Jesse's been here for 10 years. He's really great at his job. So we're going to go ahead and promote him into a leadership role. But the reality is, is Jesse's a terrible leader. And I, I'm using me as an example rather than using other people. I sure hope that I have pretty good leadership skills. Yeah. But either of these can be a problem in both short-term and long-term organizations really need to address where these are coming from. And I think it's when we look at organizations, there's this capacity, it's insufficient um, skills to meet that future requirement. And I think what we're seeing, Ken, just from my perspective, is a lot of organizations as they grow, we're going to see a lot of problems in organizations in the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm going... I'm going to talk a little bit about what's contributing to that, but I want to just briefly kind of sit on the idea of what happened with COVID, right? Like over the last two years, and we'll really go back to even like, you know, 2020 into 2023. What do you feel was the biggest contributor to kind of, you know, we had COVID and now we're starting to see a lack of leadership uh, because I believe it's because organizations went virtual. That's one of the components. I think you can have a great organization with great leaders, even in a virtual organization. But what do you think was the biggest contributor of, of kind of a lost generation of leaders because of, of, of COVID? Man, that's a great question. Um, it's hard to me to even speculate because honestly, most of my career, probably 90% of it has been virtual working in high tech. So COVID wasn't a new experience for me. So Jesse, I, I don't either. Yeah. So I, I can't, I can't, I can't even take a stab at that. I'd love to hear. Yeah. I, my hypothesis is that when the pandemic started, we lost a generation of leaders because um, the in those difficult times, what happened is, is co companies cut. And we talked a little bit about this last week, right? And we're starting to see this now. I think I saw uh, Amazon just is in the process of cutting another 9,000 people. 
When organizations cut significant numbers because of an economic event or a non-economic event, which you could argue that COVID was both a, you know, uh, a a, um, non-economic event as well as an economic event, organizations go flat. Right. Right. And when organizations go flat, younger generations of, of leaders, and when I say younger, I'm talking about the millennial generation, these younger people that were already in the organization that might have been at the cusp of growth, but because the organization cut significant numbers of people, they went flat. Now the opportunity for those people to grow into new roles is completely lost. So then that person chooses to leave or the person just basically, as they call it, silent, you know, silent quitting, right? They basically go into this state of like, I don't care anymore because I don't have opportunities. And I'm actually seeing that right now in my wife's organization. They're they're putting uh, hiring on hold, promotions on hold. And in some, some departments, they're actually cutting back. Well, there was a person that was supposed to be promoted in the next couple of weeks into a management role. They're not promoting that person into the management role. So now that person, you've lost that opportunity to promote somebody within and that somebody had the capability and competency, and now you've lost. You've lost them because they don't trust you anymore, uh, and they're going to likely go somewhere else because they don't feel valued or worth. So that's my hypothesis is because of the flattening of organizations. What yeah, are your What are your I, thoughts? I, I think that's I think that's um, I, I think that's a very good and astute rationalization of that. Yeah, I can't disagree. So I want to talk a little bit about nine-week leadership competencies. So we, you know, we talked about, I'm going to go more into the contributing factors around leadership gaps, but I really want to talk about the nine leadership competencies that I believe are weak or missing in terms of future leadership needs and current skills. And I'm sure that you've seen some of these. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw them out there, all nine of them. Um, you know, notably, leadership gaps appear to be the most problematic in high priority, high stakes areas. Other areas where there's a significant gap between the needed and existing skills levels where uh, where employee development and self-awareness. But I want to talk about number one, managing change. Um, from your perspective, in some of the leaders that you've worked with from top down, um, have you seen some skill gaps when it comes to people being able to manage change in their organizations? Significantly. And I don't think most people even understand what that, that means to be quite So honest. tell us a little what your perspective, what that means. Yeah. So, so managing change or change management is from, I don't know what the exact definition is, but it's putting yourself in the employee's shoes or other shoes and understanding what they're about to go, go. Uh, what they're about to experience, what change is about to take place, how to uh, understand it, accept it, absorb it, and transition into it would be my um, definition of it. And you know, I've I've got even recent experiences working with a, uh, a fifty million dollar company, and um, you know, the 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 CFO is one of those. Typical, you know, bookkeepers promoted now CFO that lacks a lot of leadership competencies that wanted to roll out um, new PTO policy and everything, and got you know the the leadership chain on on the call and talked about the deadlines and all of this, and suddenly they're bombarded. Did you think of this? Did you did you ask me about this? Did you do this? Did you do that? And they did not. 
And from their perspective, they made the call and they were just making the change, right? And I had to sit down and have a call, call with them and help them understand, look, when you, when you implement changes like this, you got to sit down with the other leaders across the business and you've got to understand how will be received, how they, uh, how they handle the objections with their employees. And, you know, one of the core components of leadership is not the people below you, but the people around you that you can't actually fire. And, you know, understanding from their perspective, understanding why this is a benefit to them and their employees and their company and taking them along that journey. And they completely lack that. And I've seen that that individual make multiple mistakes just with a lack of understanding of that factor. Yeah, I, I think that's a great example. So, you know, uh, one of my one of my training areas is actually organizational development coaching, um, which is all about change management, right? Yeah. And when when I was going through that training a couple of years ago, um, my partner that we had to do coaching with, um, she worked for a very large coffee company. Uh, I'm not going to say the name, but you can imagine what what the name of it is. But she worked for a very large coffee company, and they were actually in the process of making some change by adding like regional trainers because they had, you know, they have thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of locations. And they were basically bringing in these trainers to uh, train people within each of the stores. And, but the problem is, is that when they were making this change as an organization, they weren't taking in consideration of like the managers in the store, the staff in the store, and they didn't even ask questions of the people in the stores, the people that were going to be impacted the most. Yeah. They didn't even ask the question of yeah. like, what would work in your store? Because what works in California may not work in New York. What works in Miami may not work in Houston, Right. Right. And especially if you're a global organization, what works in the United States may not work in Canada, Mexico, or Europe. You know, and I'm being gen generalized with Europe. So it's important to that you raise, and I'm and I'm going to use the term raise, right? It's not like we're nurturing and raising children here, but raising leaders in your organization requires you to establish an understanding of how to effectively manage change. And that needs to be a skill that you build in your team. Yep. So number two, inspiring commitment. When, with that statement, Ken, what does that say to you? Inspiring commitment. How do we, what, you know, the leadership competency and why inspiring commitment is a weak trait among leaders today? So, uh, so your question to me, what does it mean? What does it mean to you, okay. inspiring commitment? Um, to me, it means helping the employee or the individual understanding the, uh, the, the vision or the task at hand and getting their, their full buy-in and uh, engagement in helping to get to that objective. Right. Yeah. So an inspiring commitment from my perspective is really about uh, what you said, aligning to the vision, right? We, we talk and you mentioned EOS. Uh, that's something that is pretty common in organizations that apply the EOS methodology, but you don't have to be in an EOS organization to find ways to inspire commitment in those organizations. Um, but it's really about, uh, you know, developing leaders in your organization that they can inspire people to be committed to the mission of the organization. And if you don't have an effective process in place to build leaders so that they can inspire others, and if you don't have a good mission, you yourself as the CEO of the business can't articulate the mission and vision of the organization, you are going to lack inspiration across the entire organization. Yep. 
So that is an area that we as leaders and organizations need to work on how do we inspire people? How do we as CEOs of our business inspire people? Leading employees, you would think, Ken, whenever I saw that, like this is a lot of this stuff comes from research. Whenever I came into leading employees is a leadership competency that is weak. I was blown away that just simply leading people. Um, but tell me a little bit about it, your experience of seeing other leaders that were just really bad at leading employees. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this blends into areas of poor leadership, but some examples that come to mind are folks that step into leadership roles and are doing others' jobs for them specifically. So there's a problem and I'm gonna fix it versus helping them understand how to get better, how to improve, Right. Um, and understanding the concept that, you know, leading people is getting work done through others, not necessarily just doing it all yourself. So th that's something that comes to mind for me. Yeah, I, I think the this is that balance between management skills and leadership skills. You can have somebody that's a great manager. Well, I, actually, I would take that back. You could have somebody that has average management skills. That's just a terrible leader. Yeah. Uh, you don't usually have a good manager that's a bad leader. They usually are kind of kind of combined skills, but just knowing how to lead a team of people. And I think, again, that goes back to that flat organization. When you don't have the ability for people to even be a supervisor uh, or a manager, like you're never going to raise people into director and C-level roles within organizations. So you're going to constantly have to be finding people from the outside that have those skills um, so just simply giving people the opportunity to lead in small projects, right? That would be one solution. And even if you have a flat organization, you know, rotate leaders of meetings, for example, like have different people facilitate your meetings so that people get a chance to demonstrate their ability to lead others. And, and that's one of the simplest ways is just being a facilitator of a meeting, um, have a brainstorming session. If you're like running a marketing department or you're having a strategy session, have somebody else run that meeting, right. have somebody else lead that. So that's just simply giving people the opportunity to lead. And a lot of employees, they don't have those skills. Um, taking initiative. I, I have an example to share here, uh, recently working with a law firm. They had a firm administrator in their law firm and they hired this firm administrator because in, in firm administrators, if, if you're not familiar with law firms, Firm administrators are very similar to a CEO, right? Um, they're not just like a, an office manager. They're like literally managing all the operational day-to-day -day stuff, managing a lot of the non-legal staff. Um, and this particular firm administrator was not taking an initiative. They were kind of doing things and waiting for the CEO of the firm to like tell them what they needed to do from day-to-day. And again, this is a key competency that that particular person didn't have. Um, so taking initiative is, is a trait that uh, if you're going to raise people's standards and, and hire from within and, and promote from within, you definitely need to be building um, ways to help people to take initiatives. But Ken, I'm going to ask you this question. I've, I have a theory or an idea of why people don't take initiative. So if I work for you and I didn't take initiative, what traits are you probably exhibiting as a leader if I'm not taking initiative? 
Well, I mean, yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting you frame it that way because I think I, I I was I was thinking through that. Um, I, this comes to mind a lot as well. I, I think that there's a lot of owners and CEOs out there and leaders in general that do not understand the capacities of their team, right? And when they're drowning, when they're taking on too much, and I've had a serious conversation with the CEO actually this week, ironically about that. And his team will not take on, take will, will not take initiative because they're overwhelmed already. Mm. And he can't, he can't read that, right? So he gets frustrated because he feels like, he has to do everything or initiate himself. But if everybody's at 100%, you can't go above 100%. You know, I, I there's people say, you know, need 110, but theoretically, it's not possible. They're already at 100%. And how do you expect them to take on initiative and do more? Right? Yeah, that's my opinion. That, that's a that's a great, great perspective. Uh, what came to my mind was and I think that's very valid position. I, I wasn't even honestly thinking about that of where just the capacity, right? Like not having capacity means we're only working what's in front of us. So we don't have the opportunity to see what's out in front of us right. to like even have the ability to say, well, let's take some initiatives and make some changes to a system or a process. Right. Like, I don't have time to even think about that. Yeah. I only have time to deliver what I'm delivering, what's right in front of me. The, the thing that I thought of is why a lot of people don't take initiative is because of over-management. So for example, if, if um, you're always kind of like making the decisions, you're always coming up with the ideas, you're always the one doing, it doesn't create a lot of space for me to create my own ideas, to come up with initiative and to think differently. So. I think one of the traits that leaders have is that they're over kind of over managing and overdoing because like, why would somebody take the initiative if you're the one that always does it? Yeah. And, and that's a, that's actually a very good point. And I, and I do see that all the time as well. And typically when I start to jump in, I'll build a better relationship with the other leaders on the team and ask them, Hey, on, on our calls, how come you never, speak up well it's because everybody knows that you know mike the boss always has all the answers and we're going to do it his way anyway so why try <laughs> yeah it, it's so common right it, it's the if i don't even have an opportunity to be part of the conversation why should you expect me to be like initiate ideas and initiate solutions to problems when every you're all you are we always have the answers yeah. Right. And I've seen tons of leaders this way. And they're those are the companies that really struggle to scale. Yeah. Um, so I think that really prevents companies from scaling. So number five, building collaborative relationships. So I do this uh, survey um, in this process of, of coaching on an organizational development basis called Octopace. Um, it's not done that often in the United States, uh, but it's something that's done in Asia and, and Europe quite a bit. But collaboration is a is a key component to organizational growth and development. Where do you feel, Ken, so this is a weak leadership competency. Why do you feel people are weak at building collaborative relationships? Um, my opinion is because most people make it all about them. Yes. <laughs> and it's my results that matter. 
I want to shine. If I work with so-and-so, then, you know, they'll get credit as well. So that's my opinion. Yeah, I think that's certainly one of them. And But I'm also going to go back to what you've said previously is like when people are overwhelmed and they're at capacity, they don't have time to create relationships. Right, right. Um, so it, it's understanding what your capacity is in your organization, but also uh, allowing leaders to learn how to remove ego. Right. And, and I see ego as being one of the biggest barriers to really building and, and establishing great organizations. I mean, that's not just the, you know, the CEO of the firm, that's everybody in the firm. And yeah. I think building a collaborative environment and understanding that, hey, we have a mission here. We have very clear goals here. How can we work as a team to achieve the greater goal? Yeah. Uh, I always use soccer as an, as an, an example or an, an analogy. But I'm a big fan of Charlotte FC and Charlotte FC lost their first three games of the season and they finally won a game. And what was interesting is the first three games of the season, the manager played the exact same lineup for the first three games with pretty much the same result, right? Lots of mistakes, lots of individual performances. They had a couple goals, but not a lot. And in the last game, he didn't start half the same people. Like there was maybe one or two people that started. It was a completely different lineup, but they actually won the game and the performance was very different. And he said what he felt that the first three weeks, why they were losing is we had a lot of individuals playing individual football or individual soccer. We didn't have people collaborating together and playing as a unit. And we see that in the corporate world a lot. And, And that's, I think, an important part of that. Number six, having a strategic perspective. So number six and number seven, and I know, Ken, you're a very strategic-minded person. So there is number six, which is having a strategic perspective, and number seven, knowing strategic planning, right? Knowing how that works. So when you look at both of those, having a strategic perspective, that's what's here and and our, our mindset, but then there's how to actually do the strategy, what is your perspective on organizations that are, you know, kind of stuck? They're stuck in growing, they're stuck and they've got a lot of issues. Where does strategy come into play when it comes to leadership development? Yeah, I mean, boy, I, I would say typically, um, I, th- I think you're asking what some of the some of the results are of that, of lacking that. Lacking that. Yeah. Like what happens when people don't have strategic yeah. plans and they don't have the planning capacity? Yeah. So very, I mean, look, I'm saying some of the obvious, but very short-term focus, not understanding the what-if scenarios, right? Not understanding, um, I don't know if I'm answering this well. No, you're answering it right. I think perfect. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, they're viewing it more as, uh, I tell people this often, they're, they're viewing it as checkers versus chess. And yep. sometimes it's it's perfectly fine to lose your pawn if it means that, you know, you can make another move, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's okay to, you know, to accept losses for greater wins. Um, and a lot of people actually lack that and lack the insight to understand what moves to make to get the long-term gain and results that they see. So a lot of people actually, when when I work with them and they'll bring out or discuss a message or a move, I'll, I'll come, I'll, I'll, I'll help them understand like, well, you know, let's think about how that's going to be received, right, um, by others, right? And 
what that could translate into from a result perspective, positive or negatively. And they can't process that way, right? It's like, oh, I just got a message and it's a message, right? Well, you, know, you gotta understand because messages and, and moves have ramifications. And I think a lot of leaders actually lack that capacity to be able to connect those dots. Yeah, I, I think this almost goes a lot to what we talked about in last week's topic, which was proaction leadership planning and and it really comes to reaction versus proaction right mm -hmm. strategic minded people and people that understand the importance of strategic planning are more proactive and the people that don't have that skill set are more reactive right? right we're dealing with what's in front of us we don't think you know we can't see the forest through the trees as they say and it causes us to be in more of that kind of chaotic mindset. So if you are watching this and you're in a state of chaos in your organization regularly, you really need to look at your management team and, yeah. and evaluate whether or not they're strategic minded and do they have the ability to think strategically when it comes to planning. Yeah. You can execute marketing, but if you don't have a strategic plan to align with your marketing, then you're going to always be just shooting from the hip, right? If you're... Uh, responding to you know clients in a reactionary state rather than having a protocol and a strategic perspective into that process, then you're always going to be in a reactive state. You're never going to be able to get out of that reactive state. Um, number eight, embracing precipitative management, right? Being precipitate or participating in the process, right? And and I said that wrong, but. Um, I see a lot of times that people don't participate in management, right? They're very much like individuals. They don't actually participate in being part of a leadership team, which I know, Ken, from your experience, um, part of your role is to build participation right. uh, in the management team. Um, could you compare and contrast for me an organization that you've seen where you step into the role of a of, of fractional integrator, fractional COO, and the organization is very much a bunch of individuals that aren't really functioning together as a management team versus an organization team that's participating together uh, in, for the greater good of the organization. Do you have any good examples there? Um, trying to think of a good example. I mean, maybe not a perfect example, example, but it somewhat relates to that that CFO example earlier, where you know you step in and people are thinking about their silo and their department and their group and their needs without understanding their piece to the puzzle and the entire organization, right? And one thing I often tell even owners and CEOs, you know, specifically when they get to a certain size is, you know, it's, it's, it's no longer their business. The business becomes its own entity, this living and breathing thing. And we're all participants within that organism per se, or a piece of that. Right. And we need to understand that. Um, so people have to, you know, when they're going through and managing their teams, they have to understand how those teams interact, impact negatively and positively the rest of the organization and how that ties into the vision. 
and a lot of good dynamics. A lot of people probably see this all the time. It's it's a running joke is how sales and marketing are always so disconnected, right? Marketing's got these great ideas and sales can't execute. Well, how do you bring those two together, right? Because really the only thing that matters is moving the business forward and helping the business achieve its goals. Yeah, yeah. I was just reading something this morning about that very example of like the marketing team is is going off and they're establishing leads that are coming in, but the sales team are are working off of a list that they created themselves or, or yeah. they went out and bought a list and they're doing cold calling to them. But the marketing's like, hey, we have these leads that are coming in and they're like, but they're not as good as what we can do, right? It's like, or why are we fighting each other? Yeah. Why are we not participating in the conversation around what is the greater good for the business right. and figuring out strategy? Okay, maybe your list is good. Maybe you're working that list, but we're also doing all this effort and spending money on ads, spending money on you know marketing automation and nurtures. Like, what do we do with all these leads, right? They're, they're warm leads, but you're not working them. So it's participating in the process of management, but that also goes back to number six and seven of having a strategic perspective, yep. right? Like a lot of those leaders are like, hey, I'm doing my job and I'm working the leads. And the marketing team's like, well, I'm doing my job and I'm generating leads, but you're not using the leads we're giving you. Neither one of them are really truly looking at the strategic perspective of that. So I think that it's coming together and embracing that as a team is why we're not seeing a lot of growth in organizations because people aren't embracing that precipitative or participative um, process of, of management. Number nine, being a quick learner. I think this is a super simple one, right? Yeah. There are a lot of people that are not quick learners. Um, I see it every day in coaching where it's like, in my mind, I'm like, that is something that people should be learning, but they're not learning. And it takes them 10, 15, 20 times to kind of see things. So can I don't, I honestly don't know how you help people become quick learners. Yeah. Do you even know. think that's possible? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know either. I was thinking through that as you, as you read that, but I think it's almost something that you're either, I hate to say it, but you're either born with or you're, or you're not. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, don't I, I don't know how you fix that one. Right. Yeah, I don't either. Personally. Yeah. That I think if somebody, if somebody watching this knows how to fix number nine, I would love to hear that feedback yeah. because yeah. I don't know how you make somebody uh, a quicker learner. Yeah. I mean, the thing that comes to mind is the old Westerns where you're know, shooting at the person they're dancing. Right. So maybe you just shoot at their feet and they dance faster. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, or, you know, putting the fire under people's butts. Right. But, yeah. but then that, you're, then you become a completely different style of organization where you're putting pressure on people. Um, and, and it's like, you know, you put the gun to their head, as they say, and, and if you don't act, we're shooting you, right? Like, okay, we don't want that environment either. So I want to switch over um, and try to wrap up here in a little bit, but on barriers to bridging the gap. So internal and external forces are oftentimes blocking or slowing down leadership development efforts and really creating leadership gaps. I've kind of broken these into a couple different gaps. The first one is an outdated ideas about leadership. So I'm just gonna read this because some individuals view leadership roles as requiring trade-offs with other priorities such as family. And those perceptions, whether true or not, are likely dissuade many high potential employees from pursuing leadership development and leadership roles. So I'm sure, Ken, you've seen this throughout your history. It's probably gotten better, but I think there's still some leaders out there that kind of expect people to give up some things 
in their life. And I don't, I think the newer generation of people, uh, a newer generation of leaders are like, screw you. Like I am not giving up my time with my family or I'm not giving up my personal time. And you give me four weeks or three weeks of vacation. I'm not giving up my vacation, like, to, you know, to, to help you when I should be spending time skiing with my friends or spending time at the beach with my family or on a cruise. Do you see this still? I, I see it. Yeah, I, I do. And look, I, I would rather have a really good leader that is spending more time with her family than a poor leader that's working really hard all the time. Any day. Right. So yeah, I do see this. Yeah, um, I, I 100% still see this. And I think that comes from top down, right? There are some bottom up kind of things that we need to look at, but this is a top down thing. If you're a leader that still kind of requires your... Um, it requires your employees to make trade-offs of spending time with their family, or you have managers in your organization where they're making their teams, uh, you know, make trade-offs. I think you're going to have a lot of problems moving forward and you're going to see a lot of turnover in your team. Um, number two, digital disruption. So again, more than 60% of organizations surveyed in the survey that I found uh, found that there was no training for virtual teams or virtual team leaders on how to deal with challenges or collaborating virtually. So now that we have a higher number of people working virtually, Ken, like you, I've worked almost my entire career virtually. Yeah. Um, I think I have worked in an office a few times uh, over that 20 plus years. Can I can't believe I'm saying 20 plus years of working. Yeah. Um, but uh, a lot, there's a lack of training going on. Like, and I think the digital disruption and providing the right tools and, and the leadership on how to actually coach and manage people remotely is a pretty big problem. And that's what's slowing, I think, leadership down in larger virtual environments. Yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts here, Ken? I, I agree 100%. Um, I, I don't think most understand how to do it remote and what that entails. Yeah, I agree. And especially those organizations that were kind of forced into remote. And what I'm seeing is we had these brick and mortar businesses that had people working in, in offices and cubicles, and then the pandemic hit and it forced everybody to go virtually. So companies had to adapt. But then what we're seeing is people got a taste, right? They got a taste of the expensive wine and the expensive steak. I use that analogy that they're like, I am not going back to eating grilled cheese, yeah. right? Yeah. And so now that's where we're seeing organizations struggle to bring people back into the offices. And some of these organizations like Disney, um, I think Amazon, I even think Tesla, right? For a while there was like, no, you've got to come back into the office. And people are like giving their leaders the middle finger and saying, I'll go find something else. Yeah. Because there's other people out here that will, you know, allow me to work remotely. So digital disruption and pandemics will cause those changes. Yep. Um, number three, flatter organizations. We talked about this earlier, right? The faster moving economies and the shifts that we're seeing are causing organizations to be more flat, which results in less opportunity for people to move up the ladder within those organizations. So that's causing some challenges that people are like, I don't see a future for me. I want to grow. You have people that want to grow, but they don't see a future in their growth. Uh, so they're going to be stuck in their role. People are like, peace, like I'm leaving. Yep. Uh, so I think that's a challenge. Number four, competition for talent and higher turnover. We're seeing this a lot right now. Um, and maybe it's slowing down a bit because of a lot of the companies that are laying people off. But prior to just the last couple of months, 
The average tenure for an employee has significantly reduced. There is no longer this 30 to 40 year kind of employee, right? Like my wife has worked in the same job for like 18 years. Wow, that's amazing. And I'm blown away by it. Now she works in social work. So maybe it's a little different in those spaces, but there's less loyalty. I always used to say to people is like, when they were like, I'm thinking about taking a new job, but I feel loyal to the employer. I'm like, you shouldn't feel loyal to the employer, right? Because they have no loyalty to you. And I think that needs to be an understanding between the leaders and the employees that like, there is no loyalty, but we can create an understanding. And I think that there's a lack of loyalty going on between organizations and employees, employers. And the pandemic certainly created this and, and doubled down. Number five, misaligned systems for measuring and re- rewarding performance. Uh, what's your thoughts here, Ken? You know, organizations are implementing and investing what I believe are outdated practices and how we reward and measure people like bonus structures that we use today are quite outdated, in my opinion. I think there's better ways to incentivize and reward employees. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I agree. Um, I don't, you know, I was just actually having a conversation with the CEO yesterday. He's like, look, I need to put a compensation plan for this person together. uh, And can you help me? Sure. You know, and just started to go through some just some basic questioning and they had no idea how to answer it, right? Like what does success at the end look like, right? If there's one thing that you want them focused on, what would that be? And I think they just thought that I had an easy answer, right? Like do X and get Y. So yeah. Right. Um, but yeah. So I want to wrap things up by basically giving people some action. Like what can you do about this? I can guarantee if you're listening to this, Your organization, your leaders in your organization, whether they're a C-level or a director level, manager level, supervisor, they lack some of those nine items, the competency. I guarantee you that they do it. So how do you determine that? Well, simple. First thing, you perform an assessment, right? A lot of times there's tons of people tools out there to establish assessments Um, I actually personally feel that one of the ways to conduct an assessment is to actually, when you, you know, other than using an assessment, have a third party come in and actually assess your team, give you an an analysis. And I know a lot of people hate the consulting word, the consultant word, but the reality is consultants can give you a lot of value and give you different perspective that you're not seeing in your organization. So Highly recommend you do that. The next is really create a clear leadership strategy. You really need to have an understanding of the leadership behaviors and business goals that actually allow people to develop in your organization. And then you also need to understand the organizational development initiatives that will align to the operational needs of the business. So part of that too is uh, you can do this yourself. Maybe if you have an HR team, they could do it if you're smaller that you don't have an HR team. You definitely need to look at an outside organization to really look at this. Um, you know, I know, Ken, that you you work with a few people that do similar types of things around, you know, assessing organizations' needs and operational needs. Yep. Um, number three, developing clear, specific goals, strategies for individual development. Um, I think the first thing is really just starting with a 360-degree leadership uh, assessment and understanding, like, if... I am a leader in my my team. Let's say I manage a team of 10, you know, 10, 15 people. Um, doing a 360 is a great way for me to understand where I'm coming up short yeah. as a leader. 
I recently I was coaching a chief marketing officer for a, a, a major university and I did a 360 and I didn't just do 360s of, of their direct reports. I did a 360 with people above him and, a, and across the leadership spectrum and provided that feedback uh, into his organization and it back to him. And it really gave him a perspective on how like how his behaviors were showing up how he was communicating with his team. Um, and he really grew as a leader because of that feedback. As a coach, I can only give you so much perspective. Yeah. I can only help you see your own gaps, but a 360 is a great assessment. Um, Ken, have you ever gone through a 360 yourself? I have, yeah. I've, I've done it multiple times and I've asked people to do them as well. So yeah. Is it uncomfortable? It is, definitely. Yeah, it is, definitely. So um, you know, hopefully, fortunately, you, you get more good than bad, but you know, there's, there, there can be some zingers in there. <laughs> I worked, I worked with somebody once that recommended, he was a, an executive coach and he actually recommended doing 360s with your significant other, right? Oh, your, wow. your wife, your, your, your girlfriend, um, wife and your girlfriend at the same time. Well, well, I mean, if, if that's <laughs> how you play, um, yeah, maybe, yeah. right. <laughs> um, but if you, you know, if you're married, uh, it's doing an assessment with your wife because how are you showing up as a leader when you go home? Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and that, like, are you aloof? Are you stressed? You may show up one way at work and then when you get home, you completely lose it. Um, so having that perspective is a great way to really build also. Number four, creating systems, right? So I'm a systems guy. Um, uh, one of my, one of my clients actually refers me to as a systems ninja, um, so I, I believe very strongly in building systems and having processes and procedures built in, yeah. um, but you, you can't overlook the system of development, uh, of developing your team and developing leaders. Lots of organizations miss this area, but when, you know, there's competencies that you need to build with people, you need to have a system in place in order to build that, to get yeah. feedback. There has to be a feedback loop in that process. And last is really evaluating. So building systems for measuring how the efforts are paying off across your organization and evaluating the impact of leadership development is a critical final step in order to understand what additional resources uh, that you need in place and what additional metrics do you need in order to understand whether or not you're having an impact in growing your leaders. So um, Ken, that's it uh, for this particular topic. So again, we talked about leadership gap analysis and understanding where the gaps are in leadership in your organization, uh, understanding what the barriers are, what's stopping people from developing and growing. There is some environmental, you know, kind of conditions, but there's also conditions in how we as CEOs and, and leaders in our organization raise up the people in our organization. And finally, uh, five strategies that you can really use to kind of build that. So any additional parting thoughts, Ken, before we wrap things up? No, awesome. I mean, great, great materials, great things to execute against and, you know, things that everyone, uh, not just the owner, should consider and just growing and becoming a better leader in the business. So really appreciate it. What's cool. next week's, Jess? What's yeah, so I'm prepared this time, Ken. So uh, next week is on March 29th. We're going to record it. You may see it a little later. Is aspiration, becoming the leader you've always wanted to be. Awesome. So we've we've talked about up to this point, learning how you can clone yourself. So the delegation factor, uh, we've talked about proaction, leading and planning and how not to over plan. 
Uh, we've talked about the leadership gap analysis. So we're going to wrap this month's leadership and management topic up with how to really become that leader that you want to be. And we're going to talk about the qualities that you want to exhibit. Uh, how do you want to increase it? Now that we've talked about the gaps, I want you to look at the gaps in your own your own leadership skills. Awesome. And where, where do you feel you can grow and become? Um, and then we'll have an actionable exercise, as I've given every week, on becoming the leaders you've always, you've always wanted to be. I actually have a worksheet, Ken, that you can share out with your cool. audience on the shift spot. Okay. Uh, so if you're listening to the podcast or in you're in the shift spot, uh, show up for next week or uh, listen and you'll get a, an actionable worksheet to actually figure out how you want to show up as the leader awesome. you want to be. Awesome. Thanks again, my friend. Appreciate it, Jesse. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Ken.